0: With kids around, me time runs out fast. Don't waste valuable child-free minutes on a drink run. Instead, get Drizzly, the number one app for alcohol delivery. Drizzly has the largest selection of beer, wine, and spirits, delivered in under 60 minutes. Get date night rolling before your parents bring him back. How about a living room sip and paint? They'll never know you stole their crayons. Download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's d-r-i-z-l-y.com today.
1: Joining us today is one of the smartest minds in American politics. Amy Walter is the publisher and editor-in-chief of the Cook Political Report with Amy Walter. She is also an analyst on PBS NewsHour. She has a deeper, more granular understanding of campaigns and elections in this country than almost any human being I know. I've known Amy for a long time. We have been through a few election cycles together over the years. I am so glad she's joined us today. We're going to talk a little bit about 2022 and a lot about 2024 and what's ahead.
0: There was also maintained what was called an enemy's list.
1: Democrats want Republicans dead. I could stand in the middle of Fifth Avenue and shoot somebody. The women with the least likelihood of getting pregnant are the ones most worried about having abortions. On January 6th of 2021, you had tens of thousands of people peacefully protesting you're the president of the United States, you can declassify just by saying um, it's declassified. It's not a right-wing conspiracy theory. It's not QAnon. It's real. (laughs) I'm Rick Wilson, and this is The Enemies List. Amy Walter, thank you again for being with us today. I wanted to talk to you first about, you know, uh, one more, one last postmortem on twenty twenty two, the lack of a big red wave this year. I-, I wanted to ask you because I know you observe these things closer than almost anybody else out there. In your eyes, was it candidate quality, message quality, or or both?
0: It was a combination, I think, of a number of things, Rick. There's no doubt that candidate quality mattered. It always matters. I think the -hmm. following things mattered the most, especially when it comes to the Senate. The kinds of seats that were up in 2022, the fact that Democrats, yes, they were on defense, but on defense in blue states versus what we'll see next cycle, which is defense in red states, (laughs) right, West Virginia, Ohio. Um, So I think that helped. Absolutely. The second, there's no doubt that the issue of abortion, the Dobbs decision itself, was a, a generator of enthusiasm among democratic leaning mm-hmm. voters. I think Trump continuing to be on the scene also helped to motivate voters, maybe different voters, than were showing mm-hmm. up uh, for uh, the Dobbs decision. Some of them were similar. I think that was certainly helpful for Democrats. Um, and finally, I do think that some of the messages did matter. You know, I, I was talking to folks during the campaign, especially uh, some Democrats, who said, look, you know, once the summer hit, summer of 2022 hit, and we had stuff to talk about, it really did make a difference, right? It was, instead of it being all about Democrats in disarray, what is Joe Manchin doing? We're not getting BBB, right? Uh, Cinema. right cinema right. what are we doing the filibuster it's a disaster you get like boom 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 it went guns chips infrastructure and um, and then finally the pared back bbb on on inflation mm-hmm. and the Re- inflation reduction act and so democrats actually had a message so i think you're right whereas republicans message was driven And this makes sense when you're the out party, it's driven entirely by antipathy to the sitting president. That usually is successful enough. But Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. even though Biden was unpopular, um, Republicans didn't have much more to say other than we don't like Biden. And voters who pretty much agreed. They thought he's not doing that great of a job. We don't feel great about the economy. We're not hearing anything from Republicans that makes us feel better. And at the end of the day, you put all of those things together. And I think what should have been a referendum, especially on an unpopular president in a time where people are feeling unhappy with the status quo, the change candidates and the change message was actually scarier to swing voters than the status quo they are disappointed in. And that's yeah. So that's but but again I do think the map mattered a lot. And look Rick, you, you know, we've been through now God, it feels like a million elections together. But um they yeah. uh they're getting <laughs> the days when we would think about landslides, right? Where one party mm, is mm. you know winning elections 55% or seeing, you yeah. know, All of these races surprise us at the end. The thing, since 2018, there haven't been any races at the congressional level that have been surprising. You know, you have maybe one sneak up on you, like Lauren Boebert, for example. But, you know, in the pre, the days of, um, you know, sort of pre-Obama or 20, I guess maybe 2010 uh, was the last election Mm -hmm. like this. Where you really could see one party picking up seats in really deep red or blue territory, places they shouldn't win, they're not right. winning anymore because we're just pretty, we're pretty sorted out.
1: Well, the redistricting, I think, at, at the congressional level, obviously, I mean that has that has done two things: it's made it, it's you know, reduced the number of competitive seats to a handful, and and it's turned all the incentive structures of being you know out further towards the edges of the parties you know have pushed those incentive structures so you will get all like increasingly MAGA candidates in red states that redistrict harder and they cut the seats you know into finer and finer you know levels of uh, of intensity
0: yeah you know i think redistricting had is definitely a factor in this. The kinds of mm-hmm. people who run in primaries, the kinds of people who show up in primaries. What's been interesting, and we'll we'll get a pretty good sense of this in these next uh, elections. But it it has been the case that it is uh, Republican primaries that tend to be tougher for the quote unquote more moderate candidate to get through than on the Democratic side, right? right? right.
1: And it's a really interesting, yeah. Historically, hasn't it? Yeah, Yeah,
0: like I think about um, who were some of the. the, If you think about the the successes of 2018 for Democrats, they had Mm -hmm. all of that success in part because they got the more centrist candidate through the primary. That's who made it, right? Not the one. And so you can win in swing suburban areas with the centrist candidate. Now, Republicans. As we saw, in some of the races that they uh, not just on the Senate side, we know that story there, but on the House side, now some of their centrist candidates didn't win. So to be fair, there was a lot right. going on. But right, they lost a seat in Washington State. Jamie Herrera Butler, one of the votes right. against Donald Trump as a, in, on an impeachment, she
1: mm-hmm. would have easily
0: won reelection. Sure, she loses to sure. I an mean, and- ultra. MAGA J- type. Joe Kemp,
1: yeah. who is who, who, who the ultra-MAGAs look at Joe Kemp and say, oh, dial it back. Buddy. <laughs> <You know? laughs> right. Even that. He's pretty He's pretty far right. out there. You know, A- Andrew Breitbart famously once said that politics was downstream of culture. Right. I-, I think in some ways redistricting is downstream of culture, too, because the, the Republican political culture, the people that show up now, you know, even, the, even in these seats that weren't redistricted all in, into the furthest edges of the red... I think a lot of those seats. The political culture of Republican primary voters has become something that people have understudied a little Mm -hmm. bit. I don't think they've really Mm -hmm. focused on just how, just what those people in that in that space believe. I used to know what you know in the before times. I used to know what a Republican primary voter was going to look like. She was going to be sixty-five years old. She was going to be a a country club-ish conservative. She was going to definitely love that that Ronald Reagan fella it wasn't going to be driven by the conspiracy stuff as much as it seems to be now, because a lot of these people seem to be almost engaging in like performance art in their primaries. Uh, There's, it's harder now, isn't it to to swing back? The old, the old swing back to the center is much harder to pull off in this day and age.
0: It's getting harder to do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It gets harder to swing back to the middle. If, if one you've tacked so far off in the primary that it, 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 then you look even more disingenuous as you try to tack back. Some of it is, the folks are doing it to be performative. Some of it is they believe sure. it. So oh, then yeah. you get to a question of, right, um, which is worse being hypocritical or performative or actually believing it um, for, for some of those swing voters. And I do think you're right that the, the bigger challenge is the fact that we have these, um, you know, winner-take-all primaries. Right. So it doesn't matter if you win in a crowded race with, or 52%, you still get the nomination. And that's where, um, you know, these top two primaries, or if we really want to, if we talk about making substantive change to the way we choose
1: members Mm -hmm. of Congress,
0: Mm -hmm. top two primary, ranked choice voting, those sorts of things, it's not going to solve it. It's not a silver bullet. No. All the things you mentioned, Richter, are still going to be there. Gerrymandering is going to be there. The kinds of people who show up and vote in primaries, people who are engaged in politics, all of that, you can't change that overnight. But if you make this the incentive system different, that could have at least a, a, a moderating impact.
1: Support for Rick Wilson's The Enemies List comes from Odoo. If you feel like you're wasting time and money with your current business software or just want to know what you could be missing, then you need to join the millions of other users who switched to Odoo. Odoo is the affordable, all-in-one management software with a library of fully integrated business applications that help you get more done in less time for a fraction of the price. To learn more, visit odoo.com Wilson. That's O-D-O-O dot Wilson do modern management made simple the 2022 like the, the lack of the red wave uh, i feel like at least in my eyes an awful lot of democrats they went from breathing a sigh of relief to thinking oh we're fine but as you mentioned earlier the us senate map in particular for 2024 is not great for the democrats can we talk a little yeah. bit about what you're seeing out there already i mean i'm already seeing people hopping into races now um, or, or at least... I know we
0: we haven't even <laughs> we barely made it past New There's Year's. Still snow on the ground,
1: and they're hopping into races a year ahead of time.
0: We've got retirements, and um, usually it is true that folks take the holidays to right reassess their lives. What mm-hmm. do I want to do next cycle? But it's the holiday before the 2024 election, not the holiday right after 2022. So the biggest challenge for Democrats this year, they're playing a lot of, uh, they're playing more defense. Again, they've got a lot of seats to defend, but more importantly, they've got to defend three red states, Mm -hmm. Ohio, Montana, and West Virginia, and then some purplish states, purplish blue and purplish red. So Wisconsin, again, Arizona, again but with a different right. candidate uh Kirsten sinema now is an independent so that's kind of messy um and a michigan which is um now an open seat with debbie yep. Sevenow announcing she's retiring so there's a there's just a lot on the table In, there indiana's open now Republicans. That you know
1: Hotly contested no. seat, but.
0: but this goes to that point. Remember, Indiana was open in 2012. Nobody would have said early True. in 2012, "Oh, that's a great pickup opportunity." Republicans made it a yep. pickup opportunity by nominating someone that was so far out of the mainstream, and yet I don't think you. Th- this is where the candidate quality thing. We have to put some parameters yep. on it. It matters, except in places it doesn't matter. Right? Yep. JD Vance was not a good candidate. Did not so run a Red good State. campaign. It's a red state. Um, Tiffany Smiley in Washington State, good candidate, ran a good campaign, still got blown out. Mm -hmm. So, candidate the 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 candidate piece is is part of it. I think that the biggest questions right now are one, who else is going to retire? What is, for example, Joe Manchin going to do? Is he going to stick around? (sighs) Is John Tester going to stick around in Montana? Uh, Sherrod Brown says he's running Mm -hmm. again in Ohio. That's helpful. The next question is, did Republicans learn the lesson from the last primary? And they're going to actually do more to nominate or to help (laughs) uh, steer the right candidates through the primaries. Um, We will see how active Donald Trump decides to be. He's got other things on his mind right now. Yep. Besides Senate candidates, he's got his own campaign to worry about. So how much does he dive into this? And then where, um, you know, what are we what are we talking about as we get deeper into this year? Um, are we talking about debt ceiling? Are we talking about uh, investigations? Are we talking about a recession that is looming? Uh, all of that, I think, is really important to appreciate. Also, Rick, I mean, I think there's great likelihood, maybe great's not the right term, but there's definitely a likelihood that we see... The Senate flip, but the House could also flip to Democrats. Mm-hmm. Republicans only have a five seat majority. We've got the George <laughs> Santos situation. It feels like at any right. moment that's going to be an open seat, right? right? Like it, we're just kind of like looking at our watches right now. Hmm, how many more minutes can go before we see an open even, seat? Even even in, a in a this world, how 10? can George
1: Santos survive?
0: <laughs> how can he survive? Right now, you can. We, we've long. Moved past shaming oh, yeah. people That's out of dumb. office. Remember that used oh, yeah. to work. That doesn't work anymore. So you're not going to get somebody. I, I, I just go back and I think about folks who retired, uh, not willingly, but were shamed. To, to... Remember that guy in upstate New York who had the shirtless? Photo? Oh yeah, that yeah. was a big scandal. Yeah. Oh, he's got to go. Yeah,
1: a lot of these people
0: shirtless. A photo. lot of these
1: people that today, you know, it it used to be things that 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 now. They would immediately send out a, a fundraising email saying, "Did you see them trying to cancel me for my shirtless photo?" Right. Okay, you know.
0: Right. I look pretty good shirtless. Sure, <laughs> you know. Look, I work he was out. a character. I, you, you're anti. You know. I can't
1: remember his name, but he was a character. But yeah, I think that's right. The shaming stuff doesn't work anymore. But this this terrain in 2024, uh, I I keep thinking to myself, you know, how definitional does the presidential race become? in the 2024 Senate and primaries. I think this year, you know, Biden's numbers were soft, but the the Republican narrative on the economy was conflicted in some meaningful ways. Yes, gas prices and inflation were hitting people, but also, you know, employment is booming in the country. So I think that, that this year was such a, or 2022 was such a strange sort of little air gap in a way politically- but in twenty four, it's going to come back again. I I think and I want to get your feelings on this. In many of these races, on a, another referendum on either Trump and Biden, or in an even more chaotic scenario, not Trump and not Biden.
0: I, I know. Mean, those two. I know the, those. Two, you I can't know.
1: you can't be in this game and not play those two out. I guess you know not think those through.
0: Yeah, and it seems uh, right. And a public that is so clearly. They kept, they could not be more clear about how disliked, well, they couldn't be more clear about how much they would hate to see a rematch. Right. right? They're like, we saw, <laughs> right? Like, we saw Avatar, we don't need to see like, 2.0. I've pretty, been to this rodeo three times now, I don't
1: want to go back, you know. <laughs> right. Well, like we've been there,
0: we've done it, let's just, let's say goodbye. We've also never had a race with two people, one in their mid to late 70s one who is in yeah. their 80s. Right? And at, at, at any moment, that also puts, um, uh, it, you know, health and, and other issues front and center. Right. We don't know where these investigations of sure Biden don't. are going to go, if they go anywhere. Um, so I feel like we have so much uncertainty about the field. Normally by this time, right, what would happen in a normal year? at this stage, you have a first term president, we all go, yeah, that person's running for re-election, So there's not much going on on the incumbent side, let's focus all of our attention on the other right. side. Um, but now we have to pay attention, uh, obviously, to both sides. And that this idea of a, you know, Trump, uh, whatever we're going to call the, the, the wing of the party now that is looking to oust Trump, but they're not the anti-Trump
1: candidate. No, no. The,
0: candidate.
1: I, I call them the ambition caucus because it, oh, it's people, you know, ranging from Ron DeSantis to Rick Scott to Josh Hawley, right. where they will never publicly get in a war with him, but they're all yeah. trying to play the, the odds, I think, that, you know, Trump is either in jail or... Dies or is incapacitated, and they stand up and say, "I can be Donald Trump without all the rough edges." Yeah, yeah. And and I can I can I do. I just it have through. this
0: feeling someone's going to need to right oh, or uh, who can actually beat him in. It, the you know, primary, he, he, right Not that he's not there, but that that they actually say, "I won." Everybody's
1: got a morning ritual. Uh, I know I do. And I want to feel like I'm getting my day going. I want to feel like I'm moving. And more than coffee sometimes, it's making sure you're clean, squared away, put together. You can get your day started by upping your shave game with Harry's sleekest razor yet, the craft handle. I like to use it because I've got to shave this giant dome of mine every day. So i got to keep it shiny. I have a beard, but I keep my neck clean front and back, do all the miscellaneous trimming. And the new craft handle, it actually is a lot more precision, at least that I found, with the new grip. I really like it a lot. You'll be getting quality shaving for a really amazing price. For now, they're offering the craft handle starter set for 10 bucks. It's a $17 value. So this is something you really should try. And if you don't like it, it's on them guys. They stand behind the product. They guarantee it. How can you get a hold of the craft handle, the latest, greatest from Harry's? It's simple. Get it delivered to your door for 10 bucks at harrys.com slash enemies list. That's harrys.com slash enemies list. Yeah, and and think about it. What is the what is the one thing we've observed of any Republican who becomes the anti-Trump person? They get ripped to shreds by by both the the, the media structure that feeds that far part of the base. You know, if Trump even holds fifteen percent of the Republican base, and you've got three, four, five, ten other people in the field in Iowa, New Hampshire, South Carolina, it looks to me like Trump could still. Because as we talk, talked about earlier, a win is a win. You know, if you go in there and you yeah. win the first three or four primaries, I, I think you you would, uh, you know, I think we, we would both see that the national media would go, okay, well, it's Trump again, you know, uh, because the what's DeSantis going to do, play the Florida strategy? As a Rudy guy, I can tell you, that doesn't work.
0: <laughs> yeah. What is that line um, about the... Uh- history doesn't repeat itself, but it it often rhymes. And so I I spend a lot of time in that world thinking, okay, it's different time, but what are the similarities we have to previous elections? And some of this reminds me a little bit of 2008 on the Democratic side. It was pretty clear that Hillary Clinton was a frontrunner, but a frontrunner who was very vulnerable. And um, you know, Barack Obama was this impressive but untested candidate and then there were a lot of people who jumped into that race who were pretty impressive mm-hmm, in their own mm-hmm. right um senators and governors things like this but it ultimately came down to just the two of them pretty quickly right, right? it was a, a, so i could also see the situation that you're right mike pence jumps in and pompeo jumps in and nikki right. haley Kirstie jumps in Nell- all these folks and come
1: in god knows who else
0: right but at the end of the day it becomes a two-person race between trump and Mm-hmm. and DeSantis, and they battle it out. And and you're right, it's different because the rules are different in terms of the, the, the delegate math, um, it being winner-take-all versus proportional, but I can see something um, like that uh, also occurring. The other person I'm finding fascinating these days is Brian Kemp mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. he has found a way to be the non-Trump without angering the Trump forces. The best way to defeat him was beating his handpicked candidate in a primary, yep. not talking about it, not not uh, sort of uh, dunking on Trump, getting in his face, embarrassing him, but just going out, winning, and then easily winning re-election. Right. That to me is a is a pretty good formula. Now, is it enough to win a primary for president? I don't know, but it's- It's an interesting and I think more uh, realistic – if you're talking about winning a general election, he has a – that is a much more realistic kind of um, pathway, which is don't try to be even Trumpier than Trump, but just keep your center, Mm -hmm. right? Here's who I am. To your point, these are my conservative credentials. I don't need to outflank him. Over here, I'm never going to be able to do that. And that's not even what people are looking for, for you to be, uh, I think, in the primary, to be further to the right of him or more outrageous than things he, he would say or do. But to be the person who seems most capable of beating the Democrat, of winning in November, and a guy who actually won in a purple state. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That ha- has gone to Democrats on the federal side is pretty. Yeah, good Yeah, Amy, Amy that's a
1: really that. good point. I, I think I need to pay more attention to Kemp because he he is ambitious. I do know that he he yeah. is somebody who is from a state that that is the kind of place you have to win uh, at, at the national level, which which I think leads to DeSantis, where you know as and I. I Take responsibility for this. I was one of the guys that helped build this system here in my in my past, that has made it almost impossible for a Democrat to win in the state of Florida. Like broke their party, broke its back, made it you know a, a state that between migration and political organizing has turned it into a very red laboratory. And I almost think DeSantis is playing too heavily into that that far right uh, anti woke thing, all this other stuff.
0: You know, Rick, I totally – I am I, I am totally with you on this point because if you listen to DeSantis's inaugural speech, mm-hmm. which was in many ways a kickoff sure, sure. to the presidential, um, it is – you are so right. It leans very much into the anti-wokeness, we're here to fight against – he doesn't say the – you know, the Marxists who are coming for us. But it's it's definitely a, a call to arms to red America. Uh, this is where we go if you want to fight, fight, fight against the forces on the left that are trying to sort of rewrite America's uh, core values, mm-hmm. which in a Republican primary or in a state like Florida can work. But right. as a candidate for... Uh, uh, president who's going to need to win Arizona, Georgia, Pennsylvania, <laughs> right? Yes, L- you, running just as a culture warrior is not is not going to be that enough. Now, you know, Florida has a good economic sure. story to tell, but t- telling it in a way—again, uh, just listening to Brian Kemp, watching what he's doing. He's not running he's not a moderate. That's no, really no. clear. He's God a no. conservative sure. Republican. But what is he leaning into? Look at us, Georgia, we're the electric battery capital of of the mm-hmm. world. We're bringing all this we're money building cars all in all Georgia more than we're going to build more
1: cars in Georgia in that's 10 years right. than Michigan. You know, all this crazy stuff.
0: Right. All this stuff, which is that's what I, I think having this vision I think this gets undersold sometimes. The importance of having an aspirational vision mm-hmm. as a candidate for president is really important. And even in, in 2016, if you remember, yes, we the Muslim ban and the rapist coming across the border. But the final ad that Donald Trump put out it. at the end mm-hmm. of that campaign was incredibly aspirational. It was very much of a Ronald Reagan, mm-hmm. it's morning in America again. And I think... Um, you know the idea that we're going to win just by calling t- uh, Joe Biden a doddering fool, right. and uh, uh, you know the Hunter Biden scandal Woke-ism. and um, woke corporations, right? Wokeism. I-, I just think that's missing where a a lot of voters, voters who determine the election, sit. Which is, I'm not paying any attention to this. It's sort of like the amount of attention I'm paying right now to play off football. I know it's happening. Right. I understand there are teams right now. The sport now. Like, ball teams are all lost. playing. The sport ball team. I know who Tom Brady is and he <laughs> lost. That's what I know. But like, I'm not going to pay attention right. to that. I just want, right? I'm going to pay attention as we get closer to the Super Bowl. So, so that's who these voters are too. They're not keeping score. Is the red team up? Is the blue team up? Did the blue team fumble? Did the red team, you know, miss a extra point (laughs) Um, they are paying attention to what is it right who's gonna do something for us right who's gonna kind of take us out just in listening to focus groups at the end of 2022 Mm -hmm. now much of 2022 was about obviously inflation and frustration about that but as we got deeper into 22 there was also this just weariness and weariness a vo- this this weariness among voters about the state of our politics, mm-hmm. the state of the dis- the discussion in politics, that it was just so angry and so divisive, and so uh, I, while I don't think we're gonna, you know, uh, we're not gonna get back to the George W. Bush like compassionate conservative no. or the, the B- Barack Obama, no red, um, no red or blue, you know, yeah. the audacity of hope. Right. But you do need to, if you're running for president, you do need to have an element of that um, aspiration. And I I think that's... that's And
1: and, and that was also, that was also something we saw in 2020 focus groups where people were like, yeah, Biden knows how to do things in Washington. He knows how to do stuff. Mm -hmm. He can get stuff done.
0: Right. I want to have normal, and the idea of normalcy. I think in 2020, a lot of the normalcy was getting back to normal in terms Post-COVID, of COVID yeah, to be over yeah. and get back to that normal, but also normalcy of like, really, I'm exhausted. I cannot spend another day. Yeah. In in what did Trump do at this minute? Oh are God, he tweeted Greenland?
1: again. You know, right? Like,
0: oh my God, <laughs> did we? Whatever. Why are we talking about Greenland? Why is that trending? <laughs> right. Uh, so we want to go back to just. Can we just like chill out and just do normal things. What happened to that? Yeah,
1: it, it's um, so true.
0: <laughs> the other piece of the, th- that we learned, gosh, it's been quite some time too, this idea about the economy. It's the economy, stupid. And I think if we have learned anything in these past few years, it's that it matters, but it does not have the same weight it once right. did. Um, and in 2012... You probably remember this very well, Rick, that, you know, the the message from the Romney team was it's going to be a pretty easy campaign. People mm-hmm. are upset that the economy is not recovered. You look at the approval ratings of Obama, especially in handling the economy, they're yep. underwater. Um, right direction, wrong track isn't terrible, right? It's much more wrong track than yep. right. And uh, we just run an economy focused message. Well, voters said, "Well, it's true. I I don't think Obama's doing great on the economy, but I don't trust this um, hedge fund, right? Right. Uh, zillionaire who is underground
1: car right, garage, literally killing dog people on the roof. All the right. all the all the cliches. Dog
0: on the roof. Guy. All the
1: cliches. But but right. but you know, there's a the thing about cliches is that they're easy to believe.
0: Right." they're easy to believe and that what you would hear from voters in these focus um, groups was, yeah, maybe Obama's a little over his head here, but I, I, I kind of like him right there. What it wasn't a personal animosity. It was like, you know, he did get dealt a pretty crappy deck, you know, yeah, with
1: the war 2000 and, and everything and America,
0: else. Right. Sure. It wasn't really his fault. And, um, and, and then we go to 2018 where, Voters are saying, "Yeah, I think Trump's doing a great job on the economy." And then you'd say, "Well, you're going to vote for him? <laughs> no, I'm not going to vote for him. Right? No, he's crazy. Yeah, <laughs> he's crazy. Right? He's crazy, but he's doing a good job." And then in this one, right? Do you think? To, do you think the economy's doing well? Absolutely not. Do you think that Biden's doing a good job? No. No. Oh, so you're going to vote for the Republican? Right. No, they're
1: fucking crazy. The <laughs> right.
0: All right. So we kind of keep going back to this. Uh, Where the economy should have been a factor in Republicans' benefit. Right. 2012, 2018. 2020 was a week, right? Well, yeah. That's COVID, et cetera. 2022, and yet Republicans are unable to capitalize, in large part because their candidates are seen as out of touch on other things. Right, right. right. And – now, so the idea that well, the economy in and of itself is going to be the determining factor to help Republicans, if, if indeed, right, we hit twenty four and there's a global recession or whatever. home prices um, collapse
1: again, like a Exactly. You know, there's a lot of yeah. I mean, exactly. and and you know, as much as as much as guys like me who worked very hard in twenty ten to make you know that that sweep possible, you know, if if we had not had two thousand and eight. We would not have had 2010, and no, no amount of Tea Party posturing was going to win if the economy hadn't gone into the, into the, a spiral uh, two years before. So that I, I think
0: that's
1: right. I think you're you're right that the old factors of it's the economy stupid, you know, it still plays, but it doesn't play at that at that very high level it once did, and but you know, if it is a global recession.
0: Yeah, it's not that it doesn't right. matter, right? It obviously matters and it sets the it, it sets the tone and the table. But it, just in there are other factors here and, of course, our polarization, right? Because Extraordinary. You know, back in 1998, Bill Clinton's getting impeached. People say, I don't think of him as, in a particularly <laughs> good way right. as a person, right? Favor- I'm very unfavorable as a person, but he has a 60 plus percent job mm-hmm. approval rating because they're like yeah, I don't like what he did.
1: He's pretty good at this president the thing. The economy's doing yeah. well.
0: Right, he's still pretty well in this president thing and the economy's doing well and I I just invested in something called Pets.com. <laughs> the internet's taken off. I'm going to be a billionaire. <laughs> remember we were all in those days? Pets.com. Oh yeah. Everybody's just put your own internet www. Yeah, uh,
1: right? uh, th-
0: The irrational
1: enthusiasms of the day, you know?
0: It was. It was. We were at that, like, right at that peak, 98, 99. Everything was going to be amazing, right? We were turning into the corner of the 21st century, and it was going to be awesome.
1: And yet, somehow, time just keeps... The future just never quite gets... That future never quite gets here. But, you know...
0: And we're still not driving in Jetson cars. You know, God damn it. (laughs) If Elon Musk was wanting to really do something,
1: flying Tesla, that would have solved all these problems and we wouldn't have had this Twitter issue. So, well, Amy, thank you so, so much for joining (laughs) us today. I really appreciate it. We'd love to have you back as the the election starts to heat up because now the things we would have been doing in January of next year, we're doing in January of this year. So.
0: Oh, my gosh. uh, I know it. I know
1: it. Amy, again, thank you for your wisdom. I look forward to seeing you again soon, my friend. I would be remiss, folks, if I didn't put George fucking Santos on the enemies list. And honestly, I almost feel like this is too easy. This is like punching fucking kittens. This is like, you know, candy from the proverbial baby. This guy is a clown of the highest order, a fabulous, probably a psychopath. And for every reason, he's on the enemies list. He's an embarrassment to Congress. He's an embarrassment to the Republican Party. He's an embarrassment to his sponsor and the number one person who put him in Congress, Elise Stefanik, who wants to pretend that she's some sort of normie and some sort of you know bridge between the MAGA crazies and the traditional Republicans. She helped recruit him, helped support him, helped fund him, um, stood up for him over and over again. When she knew that he was a unbelievable con artist and a fabulist she is responsible in a large measure for um for Katara Revanche the drag queen uh weirdo con man scumbucket who literally ran a GoFundMe for a dog that needed an operation and stole the money I mean this guy is there's everything wrong with him but for all that George I want you to stay in congress Now, this may not be a popular opinion, but I want you to stay in Congress. I want you to stay there so long. I want you to be a bleeding wound in the belly of the Republican Party because, as you probably are already figuring out, you're surrounded by a bunch of low-rent, morally deficient scumbags, but even you. Are beneath their consideration. You may have gotten on a couple committees and you may have gotten a little bit of a hand job from, well, maybe not a physical hand job, a metaphorical hand job from Kevin McCarthy, but it's only because you're a desperately needed vote. I want you to stay there though, because I'm going to make ads about you next year. I'm going to make ads about the people that have had to back you about the lies you're telling and have told and will continue to tell. It's going to be fucking delicious. You are going to be an amazing amazing foil for so much attack ad fodder. It's 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 it, it, it's incomprehensible to you because while you're a good liar and you're kind of crafty about that, you really don't know what's coming. It's going to be glorious. Now, George Santos, you were on this week's enemies list and I would tell you to get your shit together, but I think it's too late for that. This has been the enemies list. And if you've been enraged or engaged or enlivened by this week's episode, let's do something about it. This podcast is part of Resolute Square, a new front in the war to preserve democracy. We were looking for a place to fight back against the MAGA media. And this is it. In addition to this podcast and many others, each week, Resolute Square members will sit down with me and other founders for an intimate meeting of the minds, talking about what's really going on behind the curtain of American politics, and analyzing the minds and the motivations of the people that are shaping this country's future. Good and bad, along with exclusive analysis and insight from our newsletters, which are anything but conventional wisdom. And yes, we'll also have merch to make the MAGA heads in your life furious, and more. Become a partner in this fight at ResoluteSquare.com slash Enemies. And folks, if you could like, subscribe, and rate the podcast, I would be enormously grateful. And I cannot tell you how grateful and how heartfelt your support has been for this podcast and for these conversations, and we look forward to many, many more. Thanks again.